0: Actually, for more than one reason, but one of the benefits of praying every day. By the way, the church is open from 5:30 a.m. to 9 a.m. every morning, except Sunday. And uh, I want to encourage some of you to continue to maintain uh, what you started out. And God will continue to move. The devil. The first thing the devil is going to do is resist your prayer. He doesn't want you praying because once once you're not praying, then you get carnal. And then anything can happen. And um, but one of the benefits of praying is you get your spiritual eyesight adjusted, and you start seeing things that you at other times maybe had not perceived. And I want to tell you, God is doing things all over the place, and uh, and we're a part of it. Let's clap our hands and give Him praise. Hallelujah! Thank you for including us, Jesus. The greatest thing this world has ever seen visitors here tonight, we're delighted that you're here. Sunday's going to be a great time in the Holy Ghost. Uh, In fact, just, Brother Chris, could you grab a stack of those business cards? Not all of them, just a stack. Whoever wants a business card, come on up very quickly and get one, and uh, don't all jump at once. Brother Chris, praise God. I've been I've been actually giving these out. Somebody thinks, man, well, the pastor's just asking me to do this. No, no, no. The pastors out there doing that stuff too. Praise God. You know, you look like a soul winner. Take about a hundred. There you go. Okay. Okay, brother. Uh, Brother Pyatt just reminded me that if you want to come to early morning prayer and gain access, you have to have a fob in Jesus' name. And you know what? You guys stay right. Somebody say, "Praise the Lord!" I am so excited to be saved. Amen. Some of you need this revelation. God gave you a pastor to help you get a revelation. Your world does not have to be perfect for you to be happy. Let's love you. If you're waiting for everything to be perfect, it ain't never going to get there. But God is always perfect. And God is always available. And God never rests. And God doesn't sleep. He's an ever-present help in time of need. Somebody praise Him. Praise God. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Once again, it's great to have all of our visitors. Some of you have never met before. And uh, we're just glad you're here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Now, we are going to read several verses of Scripture here. Um, And I will do my best to read quickly, but not so quickly that I stutter. In Jesus' name. Let's start at verse number 1. Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a church that he was the spiritual father. This church began in Acts chapter number 18. It is the great and thunderous and notable church at Corinth. Verse number two, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven or bald. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, forasmuch as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge in yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Thank you for standing for a long reading, and I want to talk to us about being purely apostolic. Purely apostolic. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this opportunity to be here tonight, be a part of the great things that you're doing in this world We've come to give you great praise, and glory, and our undivided attention about the things of the Word of God. Pray that you bless every soul. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I was talking to uh, a dear friend today. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for waiting on that. Um, I was talking to a dear friend of mine who will be one of our presenters in our Symposium, Brother Caleb Adams is a tremendous um, man of God, pastors of great church in Memphis. In fact, they're finishing a brand-new building on Interstate 40. They will be dedicating in October. And um, he said, Brother Mayo, he said, I really believe that the greatest need in the church today is just solid Bible teaching. He said we have majored on preaching. And I realize uh, as probably you do here tonight, that he's giving his pastoral opinion. However, there there is a lot of truth to that, in that we uh we definitely have majored on preaching. I thank God for it. We have some of the greatest preachers in all the world in this movement, and um and I thank God for that. But really the reality of it is and what made uh, the churches that preceded us and the saints that preceded us and made them really what they are and actually brought the great heritage that you and I share and uh, and that we, we love so much is because there was solid teaching that was put into people's lives and put into the church of the living God. Um, in the last several years, I have really felt um, a burden. Um, one of the reasons why we are bringing in certain men of God on a regular basis is because I am recognizing that we need to have uh, men that are elders in fulfillment of the fivefold ministry, uh, that we need to bring certain men in from time to time. We recently had Brother Ari Prado, Brother Wade Bass, and there's others. And, uh, church, we are blessed to have men of God grace his pulpit on a regular basis. Do you feel that way? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. And um, there is there is truly a dearth in the land for solid, time-tested, solid Bible teaching. And um, I know that a large part of my ministry, i was a full-time evangelist, And um, um, came here and started a church with my beautiful wife and two children in 1994. And uh, just kept on preaching. But I felt in the last two or three years that the Holy Ghost was beginning a shift in my life. Not just because uh, I'm getting a little older, but because my role um, in the body of Christ and more particularly in this church. Is, is something that is beginning to change and shift, and that is, I believe, to, uh, to assume the role, the role of a teacher. And um, I'm not, some things come easy to me, uh, or I should say some things come easier to me. And teaching is one of the things that I feel like I really need God's help to help me be a better teacher. You deserve the best. And I want to give you my very best, which means I need to pray and and ask God to help me. Listen, nobody can blow a fuse in Pentecost like I can. I can blow a fuse in the worship service. I can blow a fuse in the prayer room. Hallelujah! I do it. Uh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, but... But that really doesn't go very far when you talk about really molding and shaping people's lives and uh, being raised where I was raised by one of the greatest Bible teachers ever. Um, I believe that God put me there and allowed me allowed me to be exposed to that uh, for uh, nothing else for such a time as this to begin to reach for that. And so. I really believe that Wednesday, or now Tuesday nights, how do you like it? It's Tuesday night. Praise God. Amen. I don't know if they announced it or not. I'm sorry if I didn't hear it, but, um, and my wife's going to say, see, honey, you need a hearing aid. Listen, I'm too young to get a hearing aid, okay? What? Um, but there will be all church prayer tomorrow night, 7 p.m., so in Jesus' name. Oh! I'm sorry. It's far above rubies. Not only is my am I losing my hearing? I'm losing my memory. And uh, but God is helping us. And you will be blessed, and I will be done. You know, it's uh, it's become all too easy in the culture that we live in to say, "Oh, I'm a Baptist," or "Oh, I'm non-denominational," or "Oh, I'm this," or Oh, I'm Pentecostal. And um, that has become so pre, and that involves an entire world of thinking and mentality that has molded and shaped our culture. Unfortunately, instead of um, a lot of the apostolic church leading, a lot of the apostolic church has become uh, responsive to that where actually it's culture that's setting the precedent instead of the church setting the precedent. I'm going to tell you that when you have truth, when you have the real thing, we follow nobody except Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's right here in, this, in chapter 1 and verse number 1 and 2. We don't follow anybody. Um, at the risk of sound, sounding spiritually prideful, the apostolic movement is absolutely head and shoulders above any other group, any other movement, ever any other ethnicity. I don't care what your last name is. In our world, it's either entitlement because you perceive that you're lower than anybody, and that's pride. Or it's entitlement by thinking you're better than anybody, and that's pride. The best thing is to get baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and say, thank God I'm in the church of the living God. I'm not here by my own merits. I'm here by the grace and the mercy of the Almighty God. Hallelujah. Amen. I am not in the church because I'm super intelligent. I am not in the church because I have generations all the way back to Moses. I am in the church because of the goodness of the almighty God that led me to repentance. Oh, let's love him tonight. That's why you're afforded the opportunity to be here. The goodness, the goodness of God. The goodness of God. But there is nobody that we are in competition with. Hallelujah, there are churches all across the land that have allow these kinds of enculturated things to to get into their mentality and to where they think they have to specialize in a particular area. It's almost like the spirit of competition. And if you're purely apostolic, there is no competition. When you have God's favor, there is no competition. Amen. Hallelujah. But to be purely apostolic means that there are divine indicators, and these divine indicators are necessary to help us understand who we are and what is being made available to us. And it is too, all too easy to get baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and speak in other tongues. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not the end of your journey. That is just the beginning. You are just now at the threshold when God can really begin to work. And it's a magnificent endeavor between God and man. In this particular chapter uh, that we read, some of the most incredible uh, context of Scripture that can be found in all of the New Testament. I personally do not know as a student and a theologian I do not know of any other passage of scripture that uses more tools or proofs to convince us of the reality that this is of God. In fact, we're going to look at several uh, things here. Um, As I've already mentioned, this is found right in the book of 1 Corinthians that was written by the Apostle Paul. He started this church through a divine leading in Acts chapter number 18. You can read it for yourself. It's an amazing story. He finishes at um, Mars Hill. He does not because he's using purely his intellect and a purely thought out, mapped out message. There are no converts. It's a violation of Scripture. Jesus said himself, that when you stand before men, think not what you will say, for the Holy Ghost will give you what you're supposed to say. And Paul was intimidated by the intellect and the philosophy and, and, and all that Mars Hill, the thinkers, and, and all that that espoused. And he tried, and it was an incredible message, but it was not an anointed message. It was not an anointed message. Ironically, Paul had just come from Thessalonica, where it says in 1 Thessalonians that Paul's visit turned many people from idols to the living God. Ironically, when Paul went to Athens, he looked around and saw uh, in excess of 30,000 statues or idols, and yet he didn't preach the message that was successful in Thessalonica. He came up with a message that he thought out, put together, it sounded good, and there were no converts. He went to Corinth in Acts chapter number 18, and under the direction of the Holy Ghost, God said, don't leave, for I have much people in this city. And so Paul reared back and preached. There was a church that was built there. This is the first letter of actually three letters that were written. Uh, The third letter to the Corinthians was lost, Uh, and uh, there's even some biblical exposers that believe that there was more than three letters of instruction to this great church. It was a church that battled many things. One of the preeminent battles of Corinth was fornication. Uh, Fornication is dealt with in both 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and it's the most common sin addressed in the New Testament world of the entirety of the New Testament. It's mentioned over and over and over again. And yet the Bible said even in this powerful church that they came behind in no spiritual gift. Even though they battled sinfulness, worldliness, jockeying for position, taking people to court, and all kinds of things. They were a church that was extremely gifted and powerful and favored of God. And so right here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, it was purely, majorly a Gentile church. There was always uh, a remnant, you will notice. When you read the book of Acts, that the Apostle Paul always favored going into the synagogues before he ever entered into the concourse of the Gentile world, being either the marketplace or cobblestone streets or wherever Gentiles congregated. He always went to the Jew first. But Corinth was largely a Gentile church. It was a powerful church, a church that did not have a lot of understanding of the law They did not understand a lot of God's ways and God's word. So you're seeing purely a first-generation apostolic church in 1 Corinthians. And right here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, the Apostle Paul, under the direction of the Holy Ghost, begins by saying in verse number 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. You're going to see here that there is a pattern that the Apostle Paul draws from certain elements that um, he is bringing to the table of this incredible spiritual understanding. What we are about to see here is not an earthly understanding. You cannot go on the job tomorrow and ask people what they think about living for God and accept that as being a valid opinion. You cannot go into the mall. You cannot go into the supermarket. You cannot look on one of your apps on your cell phone and expect people to understand really what you're a part of. When you are purely apostolic, you are going to be offered an understanding that is from another world. Ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing in this world that is more exciting than to walk with an understanding of who you are and who God is and what this is all about. Clap your hands and give him praise. Mind-boggling to be apostolic. It is mind-boggling, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just tickled pink that I'm in this. I'm not here. I'm not bored here. I'm not made to be here. I'm not here because other people. I'm, I'm worried about what everybody else is going to think. I'm here because I want to be here. I'm here because I have a revelation. I'm here because I have an understanding. I'm here because I fought devils of hell to get here. I paid a price to get here. I paid a price to have the victory. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise right now. And if you're going to make it to heaven, you're going to pay a price. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This incredible passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul, just comes right out. And he said, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ, which means we follow the leader. You say, well, I don't need no pastor. If you're going to be purely apostolic, you're going to have to have a pastor. I know it's almost in vogue in our day and our hour for people to live any way they want. They show up, but they do anything they want and they live any way they want. I want to tell you, on judgment day, you're going to be sorry that you chose that path. I'm going to tell you, we don't hear enough preaching about heaven. We don't hear enough preaching about hell. We don't hear enough preaching about judgment. You're going to be judged for the path you're taking. I'm going to be judged for the path that I'm taking. Submission is a revelation. Hallelujah. This thing is not about here and now. It's about there and then. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Now the word ordinances means traditions. And the traditions that he is about to reveal are traditions that are revelations and understanding from God. And so in verse number two, he is drawing from ordinances and traditions, or a handing down. He is passing down to this new first generation apostolic church that you're going to be different, but you're not going to be alone. There are saints that have gone before you. There will be saints that follow after you, and we're just passing through this world in Jesus' name. There is, a, there is a dangerous notion in the 21st century that says, I don't want to stick out. I don't want to be different. I don't, I don't want to look weird. Honey, if you think obeying God is weird, I invite you to this altar tonight where you can pray through and be introduced to Jesus Christ because there's nothing to be ashamed of. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. This is an awesome privilege. So the Apostle Paul is drawing off of traditions that have been handed down. And then in verse number 3, he said, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. In other words, it's God, Jesus Christ, the manifestation, man, man. And woman. And so now he is appealing to the order of creation when he said that we are, we're going to draw from things that have been handed down. He's not talking about something that is accepted in culture. He's not talking about something that is accepted in, the, in that city. He's reaching way back to the very beginning of why mankind was created anyway. We are not of this world. We are of another purpose. We have another direction. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. from the order of creation. How popular would that be in the 21st century? You think all these women's rights would go for this stuff? I really don't care what they'd go for. God's not concerned what they're going to do. God's concerned about what you and I are going to do. We're the ones that are in the kingdom. Look at verse number 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God. God created man in his own image and in his own likeness. And here in verse number 7, it says that for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. So now, the apostle is, is drawing from the glory of God and the glory of man. The glory to prove this. Then verse number 10. He said, and for this cause of the woman to have power on her head because of the angel. Now he's drawing from the angelic realm. Look at verse number 14. Does not nature itself teach you? Now he's drawing from the natural, or that which should be instinct. That if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. Look at verse number 15. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. That word in the Greek literally means a veil. A woman's hair is given to her. It's a natural, just like a man, nature is supposed to teach him that masculinity is revealed through short hair. A woman's hair is given to her as a veil. It's a natural, God-given veil. And so now he's drawing from the spirituality of hair. And then verse number 16. Let's read that together. But if any man seemed to be contentious... We have no such custom, neither the churches of God. The word custom here is talking about habit, practice, and it's talking about, once again, traditions. The apostle is saying there is no other tradition or no other custom that we are going to practice in all the churches. This is it. And so now it's all, it's ecclesiastical. He is drawing from the order of creation. He is drawing from the ordinances and the traditions. He is or, he is drawing from the order of creation. He is drawing from the glory of God. He is drawing from an angels. He is drawing from nature. He is drawing from a natural veil. He is drawing from the ecclesiastical process and procedure of the church. The only way it's to be conducted is this way that's set forth. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. If you're truly apostolic, if you're truly apostolic, this is our practice. This is our practice. This is our practice. So what is this hair business all about? Well, pastor, it's my hair and I'll do anything I want to do. Really? First of all, you will notice that when people are trying to fit in with the external world, they will use their outer man to express their allegiance to any particular group. If it's people that get tattoos, then they get tattoos. If it's people that they associate with that have piercings, they get piercings. If it's their group dyes their hair and has a mohawk, then that's what they do. They use their external as a means of fitting into a particular sector of society. Now, the reason why I know this, you couldn't tell by looking at it, but at one time, my hair was bleach white. I'm looking around this church, and there are some people that have white hair naturally. Mine was bleach white. Yours is of God, and mine was of the devil. Because I was trying to fit in to what the world thought was cool. And so I would use my body, my hair, my body, my speech, my mannerisms. That was all up for grabs. When you become purely apostolic, your identity comes from within. That's why there's a lot of people that... That are that come into this. There's a there's there's a level of transition. It takes time to get this stuff. Like like when people, um, while most of the church has already gone on Sunday, we had a baptism right here. Brother uh, Jackson, where you at, Brother Jackson? Are you here tonight, Brother Jackson? Was it their co- his cousin got baptized in Jesus' name on Sunday? Yes, <laughs> Hallelujah. You know it's time for us to start baptizing every service again. We had. We went through a season, it's time to get back into that season. But I'm going to tell you that after people get baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, some of these revelations don't happen overnight. They take time. Furthermore, you can't really repent until you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, in our next symposium in 2019, um, we already have it entitled, we're already moving, we're already putting things together. It's going to be on the new birth, the chemistry of regeneration. And we are going to do an academic deep study on really what happens in repentance. Really what happens in repentance is you've, that's the first pl- time in your life that your choices align with God. Because what happened to Adam and Eve is they lost the power of choice. The most powerful thing that you possess is your choice. The most powerful thing you possess as a human being is your ability to choose. You can let other people manipulate that, you can let circumstances manipulate that, you can let this world manipulate that, you can let external things manipulate that. But when you get when you repent, you are asking God to forgive you for the choices you've made in the past. It's the misuse of your choices. When you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, now he gives you power for future choices. Clap your hands and give him praise. You will either go to heaven or hell based on your choices. You will either be saved or lost based on your choices. Now, you can be sitting here tonight and say, man, I've I'm just a slob doing my job. What This preacher's picking on me tonight. Listen, listen. You're not a slob doing your job. You're made in the image of God. See, when you come to this church, you're not just, you're not just a tithing envelope, and you're not just a zip code. When you come to this church, you are the image. You are, you, are, you are worth so much of a vast price to God that it cannot even be weighed out in human term. You are priceless to God. You are made in the image of the Almighty God, and you can do all things through Christ Jesus. Clap your hands and give Him praise. Come on, let's choose to live for God. Let's choose to do it God's way. Let's choose to be apostolic. I don't just want to be traditionally a sloppy Pentecostal. I want to be apostolic. So some of these things take time. It takes time to get people on the right track. That's why this church encourages prayer. I'm telling you, I would not be where I am tonight. I would not be doing what I'm doing tonight if it was not for prayer. Could I pray more? Yes, I could pray more. But nonetheless, I wouldn't be where I'm at tonight without prayer. Because what prayer does is it postures me to receive spiritual education and make those fine-tuned adjustments so that I'm becoming purely apostolic. It is not automatic. Nothing in this is automatic except when you obey the gospel. But after you obey the gospel and Jesus has regenerated your choices, you will now be held accountable for your choices. When you and I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you are going to be held accountable for all your choices. And it will either be given to vanity of wood, hay, and stubble, or it would have been to produce gold and precious stones and invaluable things that come from working with the Spirit of God. Can everybody see this row of young men? I just want to give the Lord a hand clap of praise for this rove young man. Yeah. I'm over here just, I'm over here minding my own business. And look at these guys. No, that's you too. Look at this. This is our next generation. They don't need to see some sloppy bad attitude. Uh, just be glad I'm here. No, you ought to be glad you're here. If God was to rake back the covering and show us what lies on the other side, you'd be in this altar all night. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. This is the greatest thing that ever happened to humanity. We're on a a journey to become purely apostolic. I'm not interested in just being Pentecostal. That's a denominational categorization. What are you? I'm Pentecostal. Wow. You got your heavenly prayer language? Mm Hmm. Some of you need to wake up. You could have got that the first time. You got your heavenly prayer language? You know, that's Pentecostal to the world. Oh, did you read that in the New Charisma? Man, I don't read no Charisma. I got the real charisma. It's called the Holy Bible. In fact, you ought to bring your Bible to every single church service and let the devil know I may not read it at home, but at least I'm obeying the pastor by bringing it to church. God will bless you for obeying a man of God that's trying to do the will of God. We're having to go with, see, this is what I'm talking about. The real, the people that are trying to be purely apostolic, have got it, it. We can do this, but you got to choose to do this. A lot of people are just saying, "Well, I'm in this organization, and that's supposed to cover everything." God's not even looking at that. That's a man thing. Well, I go to a particular church. God's not even looking at that. What God wants to know is, are you in the kingdom? Are you growing in the kingdom? Are you producing fruit in the kingdom? Are you allowing me to use gifts in the kingdom? Have you found your calling in the kingdom? Are you doing anything in the kingdom? Being purely apostolic. The reason why this is such a big deal is because, as I've already mentioned, people in their in our human, in our carnal, our carnal nature, we want to belong. When you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you are in the most, if I could put it this way, I realize it's my terminology, please put up with me. You are in the most elite. When, I understand. See, we are the people of the future. Amen. Well, what's he talking about? Well, because when you get to heaven, everybody's going to be modest. But see, we're choosing to be modest right now. When you get to the other side, everybody's going to be holy. We're making a choice to be holy. We, you're making future choices. Come on, I'm purely apostolic. You might as well just give up on me cuz I I'm I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm not looking for anything out there. I'm not looking for another way out. I'm not looking for I'm not looking for an excuse. I'm not looking for a reason. I want I want to get closer. I want more God. I want more power. I want more spirit. I want I want God. I want to get closer. Clap your hands and give him praise. The reason why this hair thing is such a big deal is because it is a sign. It connects you to creation, it connects you to the angelic, it connects you to the supernatural. all in there. In fact there is no other subject that is dealt with by the apostle where he makes such spiritual and supernatural connections to anchor this. Because he's dealing with a first generation Gentile church. Adulterers, fornicators, unclean, homosexuals, effeminate, drunkards and such were some of you taking people to court, lying on their brother, lying, taking communion unworthily. All these things taking place in this church. But the apostle understands all of these dynamics, and he says, let me give you a revelation of what you're really a part of, and it's from another world. Let's lift our hands and just thank God that we're in this together. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad Jesus is here. Let's look at verse number 7. And we'll move towards the exit here. Now, several weeks ago, we talked about modesty. Modesty is not about what you have covered. It's about what you have revealed. And next week, we'll be talking about something else. You don't know how much I'm standing up here and I'm using all my reserves just to stand here and try to teach. Because it is so in my nature to get excited about this. But that doesn't benefit you. It might do me all kinds of good. But that's not really what we need. The thing that's going to help some of you that are first generation apostolics is understanding that you are not a loser. Some of us are walking with a loser's limp and we're just barely making it. Right, I make it to heaven, man, uh, listen, I'm going to tell you what. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your failures, blessed is the man whose transgression is covered and whom the Lord will not impute sin. If you've asked God to forgive you, your problem is not your sin. Your problem is you don't have faith that God forgave you. This, we're in a generation that has to feel something all the time. The reason why I know that is because I lived that way. I was a junkie. I was an alcoholic. I was a manipulator. Brother Sloan, how are you doing? Stand up and let this fine church see this fine-dressed young man right here. Hallelujah. You. you can be seated. Love you. See how I am? I love this guy. I love everybody. Are you going to try to bring your mom on Sunday? Make sure you prepare her. Yes. (laughs) All right. Just bring her like she is. We're going to love her. She's going to get a free latte. Being delivered. Come on, somebody. Go like this and wake that person up next to you. He's preaching good right now. If that doesn't work, get a hold of their ear and never mind. I'm supposed to be teaching. What do you think that man was like that was freed in the tombs? Do you think he was all sedate and calm? No, he was already climbing in that boat with Jesus. Whoa, 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 You stay here. <laughs> stay here. No, these people, these people that didn't want me, I'm leaving them a little gift. They're going to see that I can break chains. They're going to see that I can deliver. A guy cutting himself, trying to commit suicide, cutting himself. Come on, somebody. God can save cutters. God can save alcoholics. God can. Come on, you that have been thinking about suicide. It ain't no time to go down. It's time to go up. You may be seated. Let's look at verse number 7 here. And then we will do our best to make a close here. Verse number 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. You know, when you insult a man's wife, you insult the man. This is one of the reasons why we don't touch one another. If you're constantly looking at somebody else's wife or constantly looking at It's somebody else's husband. You're tampering with the glory. It's got spiritual ramifications. Verse number 8. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. The woman, Eve, came out of Adam. Adam was created first. God's first expression of His image was masculine, strength, authority. I'm sure that would go over real big with some of our politicians. As if I really cared. I'm sure somebody t- will tell him. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, Nancy, our pastor tonight. This is Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, yeah. Our pastor tonight was, if this woman would let her hair grow out and get the Holy Ghost and go back home and be a keeper of home. Oh, don't get me started. I might wear a red hat in here one of these days. No, it's not going to say make America great. It's going to say make church great again. Make living for God great again. Make this exciting again. Make people want this again. Make people, come on somebody. Make the Holy Ghost great again. Verse number nine, neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Now, why is he saying this? He is saying this in a culture that may have had, may have had. I know they, they had all kinds of sins of uncleanness and unholiness of every shade and stripe. They may have had some form of liberalism in there. But the Apostle Paul is not saying that because of where culture is. He's saying that to help the people become purely apostolic. Because we're anchored to the unseen. Everything you do, every word, I want you to listen to me. You will be judged for every word you ever said. You will be judged for words that were in your heart that you didn't say, Sarah. You will be judged for every act. You will be judged for every thought. <laughs> oh, Pastor, oh, what am I going to do? Here is an altar. You're, you're gonna be judged for every intent and every thought that you had against every person. What am I gonna do? Create in me a clean heart, renew within me a right spirit. Right. That's why you're starting, I think it's starting to dawn on you. That's why it's all about the altar. That's why it's all about prayer. That's why because we need God's grace. I don't want to go into judgment and have God have a whole catalog of what was really in my heart when I was here and what was really in my spirit when I was here. I want it to be right from the get-go. I've got to be right. I've got to be clean. Verse number 9. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man for this cause. Verse number 10. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. This is like a fulcrum. This is like the middle of a balance in that he's leading up to this. And then you're going to have the other side that he's moving away from this. But he's filling in the blanks of this great revelation. Why would a woman need power? On her head. He goes through this, he goes through this context where he's explaining. I want you to understand that the woman is not before the man. The woman is of the man. She's from the man. The man was before the woman. The woman followed after. And for this cause, what cause? What cause? Does a woman need power? The word power there is not dunamis, it's exousia. It means authority. For this cause shall a woman have authority on her head. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought we were talking about hair. We are. He's tied to the order of creation. He's tied to the glory. He's tied to the angelic. And he's tied to the natural to prove one point. That the sign of submission under authority to the woman, is uncut hair. Well, I'm having a bad hair dye. Pass the bobby pits. <laughs> Work that snarl out later. Man, I know what it's like to have long hair. I used to have it down here. I know what it's like. I just even comb it. I'd wake up and it'd stick way out like this, and <laughs> way up like this. It was a shame. Oh, man, I've shown people what a, a picture. Man, that is so cool. I didn't feel very cool. Felt like I was lost. Man, that is so rad. That is so awesome. That is so cool. Yeah, that's if you're in the world. If you're a child of God, that's a, that's, that's a shame. It's a shame for a man to have long hair. Well, Pastor, what about this Christian artist that I listen to that's got hair down to his shoulders? Are you going to prefer that over the Word of God? Anytime you judge culture and you try to change the Word of God, that's moving towards a false teacher and a false prophet. A a person that's purely apostolic says they take the Word of God and they hold it up against culture, and they say, y'all need to change. Y'all need the power. Y'all need to get in this. Man, I'm a hit with that six-month-old group. They just love that pastor. Why does a woman need authority on her head? Let's go to the book of Genesis real quick here. We're not going to spend a lot of time because I'm trying to be mindful of the clock. Even though the only clock we have is in the back of the church, but remember Lot's wife. Pastor, I don't need to do that. I got my cell phone on. You're in violation of our wishes as the pastor. Your cell phone's supposed to be off. So you're not obeying them that have the rule over you. So you don't, you're, you don't have headship. Well, I can't find my Bible. It's back in a box, back in our garage area. Help me out, Brother Seymour. It's about three big boxes back there. In fact, it's about time that we pull out our boxes and reunite them with our owners. And so I'm going to ask the ushers to stay right where they're at. That's just a little warning. Look at Genesis chapter 3. Look at verse number 1. Everybody got it? Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, What's interesting, we're not going to read all this. You're familiar with this as a context, but notice with me that after sin takes its course, everybody's blaming everybody else. It's my wife's fault, it's the devil's fault. Adam and Eve never did repent. They never repented. They raised children that became murderers. God took the initiative and covered them, but they never repented. Look at verse number 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go. Verse 15, and I will put enmity or cause to be an enemy between thee and the woman. Notice the tie between the devil and the woman. There's a married man here right now saying, this is getting good, Pastor. I've been telling her a long time. Hang on, big shot. Not so fast. Now we'll put enmity between... I will cause to be an enemy, that's what enmity means, between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Masculinity, man, is not even mentioned in this verse. It's between the devil and the woman. That's why a man that doesn't have this revelation that I'm about to talk about, you need this revelation. Your wife is no match for the spirit world. But the devil is in trouble when a husband and a wife team up and they get together. Because a threefold cord is not easily broken. Who's that third cord? When your marriage is right and your prayer life is being answered, Jesus Christ is right in the middle of that marriage, Adam and Eve. And no devil can get to your children. No devil can get to your finances. No devil can get in. Not only are women having a hard time understanding what a woman's supposed to be, you've got men in this day and age that think that, Did you know that they're saying that that's leading to mental disease? Where where people cannot even function in relationships anymore. Because all their relationship is with a screen. I'm going to tell you what, it's time to get these screens. And it's time to get them in this altar and say, God, I am done with this. I'm done with the artificiality of a screen. I want to know who you are. I want to know who my brothers are. I want to know who Jesus is. I want to have divine favor. Come on, clap all over this building. Help me out. Clap your hands and give him the praise. Hallelujah. A marriage that is anchored in God is the most powerful thing in this world. Well, we got too much pride to get counseling. The devil's all over it. And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse until somebody prays through and says, Pastor, we need help. Well, I don't want the pastor to counsel us. That's okay. we got other people that can counsel. And they're good. They're good at what they do. And some of you, some of you single ones, you ought to let God choose your, your date instead of you thinking you're good enough to choose who you ought to date. Well, they look pretty good. That's the lowest rung of the ladder. Now, I need some married folks to help me out right about now. Because after the looks are all done, you're going to want to hear somebody praying. And when you see them never praying, you're going to say, I made a mistake. Because when the problems hit, they're at the bar. When the problems hit, they're on a dating website. When the problems hit, they're watching pornography. When the pressure hits, they're back at the bar. They're back doing drugs. They're back on pornography. Man, I didn't mean to get into the, all this stuff. I just want to be purely apostolic. And every once in a while, the pastor needs to just get out here and be the pastor. Some of you, there's men in this church right now, under the sound of my voice, I could point some of you out. I would never do that. But there's some of you here tonight that are struggling with Internet pornography. You will never, you will never understand really who you are until you kick that sin to the curb and realize God I'm choosing you and nothing but you. I don't need filler. I don't need artificiality. I don't need God and something else. You're only telling God you're not enough for me. i got to have this. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. I'm almost done, I promise. I want to be purely apostolic. Purely apostolic. Which means dependent on Jesus Christ. I'm almost done here in Genesis. One more time, verse number 16, unto the woman. God is addressing Eve right here. I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow shall thou bring forth children. Look at this. And thy desire shall be to thy husband. I'm going to say that again. This is God speaking to Eve. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. God is now putting the husband between the devil and the woman. Now, the reason why I went through that is because when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 10... Now it's starting to make a little bit more sense. For this cause ought the woman to have authority on her head because of the angels. This Corinthian church had never been exposed to the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the Decalogue they'd never been exposed to the Jehovahistic compound names of god the elohistic compound names of god they've never been they've never been exposed to the historical oh maybe they heard it once in a while in conversations cuz there were jews that lived in every city and attended the synagogue but they weren't educated in the law they weren't educated in the creation story they weren't creation they weren't they weren't educated in god's ways and god is anchoring them to a revelation that is Ages past, and yet supernaturally very immediate and in their present. I'm more interested in being purely apostolic than anything else. Because when you're purely apostolic, you have God's favor, you have God's power, you have God's very best. And finally... For the folks that would have a problem with this because there's always women that struggle with their hair and men do too. The Apostle Paul is finishing this up by saying that does not even nature teach it, itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a shame unto him. When's the last time our culture is so dissenticized desensitized that nature can't even teach people that anymore. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. Well, pastor, you don't know what it's like. Oh, yes, I do. And I finish with verse number 16. But if any man seemed to be argumentative. I'm just going to tell you, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I'm probably going to preach on this in the near future. We are so close to the end, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you like me, don't like me, like this church, whatever, whatever your opinions are. It really doesn't matter. We are so close to the end of this. We are seeing things. We're seeing things that no generation has ever, ever been exposed to. God is polishing people up. Not to hurt you. Because he's on eternity looking inside this saying, you don't even know that you need this. You don't even know that you need this spot removed and you need this fold removed and you need this wrinkle worked out. God, why am I going through this? Brother O'Neill did a great job preaching about this on Sunday, but God is doing finishing touches on the church right now. He's helping us get rid of spots, He's helping us deal with wrinkles. He's helping us deal with blemishes. People that have fed their lust. and They just can't seem to wrestle it down. God is doing everything he can to help you get a passing grade before we enter into eternity. If any man seemed to be argumentative, with this teaching that did not originate from Corinth, it did not originate in this city, it did not originate in this culture, it did not originate in this world. Let them know that this is the only practice of all the apostolic churches of Asia. There's no other way than to be purely apostolic. Let's lift our hands. God, thank you for the privilege and the honor of being a part of so great a salvation of this that's from another world. It was before the foundations of the world. These kinds of things were already put in place. Come on, let's pray. Let's lift our hands and really pray. God, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. power and the glory of the latter house is right in front of the church of the end time. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. This altar is open tonight. I want you to come and I want you to say God help me to make the right choices you gave me power to help me to choose to do right, choose the right path, choose the Word of God, choose the things of the Spirit. This altar's open. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.